As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. We have a special edition for Indiana Signing Day uh, here with Matt Weaver from Peaks.com. Matt, how are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Indiana signed 13 uh, high school prospects and a graduate transfer in DJ Matthews from uh, Florida State. What are your first impressions of this class yesterday? Um, <clears throat> I think it's a good class. I mean, it's small, and when you look at the rankings, it's down because it's a small class, and obviously one of the things that helps your rankings is uh, not just the quality of the players, but the quantity, the number that you sign. So when you sign only 13, the, the transfer doesn't count. Uh, Matthews is not counting the rankings. So when you only sign 13, and one of them's a punter, and punters get ranked uh, just, you know, automatically, you know, low. So that drags you down. But they got a lot of the guys that they wanted at the positions that they were looking for. Uh, quarterback with McCauley, the receivers, tight end with Aaron Steinfeld, alignment, um, you know, across board Cooper Jones. They got a lot of the guys that they were looking for, Murray's Freeman and and Larry Smith and the D, and the defensive backfield. So they, they you know <clears> – <throat> If they didn't get the very top guy, they were in that – the guy they got was in that top group. He was in that top however many guys they had at those positions. So, when you do that and you're not moving down to plan B, plan C, or even plan D, I think you've done a pretty good job uh, putting together a class. Um, with the small class, um, were you kind of surprised that IU uh, signed all 13 guys with no visits? Um, now, maybe that – you know, not having visits until at least April forced their hand a little bit. Uh, but was that kind of shocking to see how many how many guys actually signed on this early signing period? Uh, maybe a little bit, because I know some of them were kind of wondering, you know, kind of, you know, maybe thinking about putting it off. Jordan Greer being a guy, Maurice Freeman being a guy. There was a few guys that told me that they were thinking about maybe waiting because they, I think, that, and it was kind of before it, they extended the dead period because they wanted to hopefully take some, you know, come visit Indiana before they signed. But obviously that wasn't uh, possible, as you mentioned. So, I mean, a little bit surprised, but then again, you know, if they didn't sign, um, you know, Indiana might've moved on to somebody else and they might've been kind of left out in the cold a little bit, um, you know, with, with uh, at least until you know, maybe not having as great of an option as before. So, you know, I, Partly I am and partly I'm not. I mean, it's just such a weird recruiting year. I feel so bad for these guys, you know, because they've had to make these decisions basically sight unseen. And, um, you know, it's tough. I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see what kind of what kind of transfer rate you have from this recruiting class in a couple of years because guys have made such, you hate to say uninformed, but they're kind of uninformed decisions just because they weren't able to visit. Now, obviously, you can learn a lot about a school and, and do what we're doing with the Zoom call or FaceTime and all that kind of stuff. But it, it's not the same thing as uh, – as obviously being around somebody in person and being physically on the campus. Yeah, one of, one of the things that I thought mm. IU did really well, and I, I didn't get a chance to ask uh, Tom Allen about it, but maybe uh, the next time we have availability, the access that 
the video crew at IU's had this season has been phenomenal. You know, we've never really seen the locker room celebrations outside of, you know, a bucket game here and a bucket game there. But to go inside, you know, see Tom Allen jump into the pile, the mosh pit after Penn State, uh, see him celebrating with the spittoon after Michigan State, and even his speech after the Ohio State loss when, you know, a lot of times in the past that's been, you know, closed doors, we're not seeing it. How much of a role does that play in recruiting and how, you know, in the future, uh, Indiana has to keep doing this because I, I find it, if I'm a recruit, you're taking me in the locker room and seeing a lot of these things. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic, too. I thought the other thing that was good um, was the stuff, you know, you would kind of see guys during the game walking up and down the sideline with the camera when they're sitting on the bench or even when they're, like, right on the sideline, and they, they would show that stuff maybe a few days later after a game, and I thought that stuff was fantastic as well. So um, I think you're spot on. I mean, when you can't – I mean, that to me, you do that no matter what. But it's incredibly or especially more important – um, in a year like this, when you can't get them on campus, you can't get them in the locker room after games, you can't do any of that stuff. So this is the next best thing. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's not the best thing, but it's the next best thing as, as opposed to, you know, being there in person. So I think, you know, I don't know if it's the Cuban Center that's doing a lot of this. I think it is. And, um, you know, kudos to them. But I thought, I think you're right. I think this is the kind of stuff that Indiana just never did in the past. I mean, this is the stuff me and you would talk about. We'd be like, you know, you need to do this you need to promote the heck out of this program and get this stuff out there and they're doing it. And I think, you know, how much it pays is kind of hard probably to quantify because it's, you know, but I think it's definitely something that guys are uh, paying attention to and guys are, um, are watching. I will say this: the one positive, I think with guys not being able to take visits, those guys who normally, if they were at another school and Indiana was beating a Michigan or up beating a Wisconsin, they wouldn't have got to see that. Now they're all sitting at home on their couch in all these games, they've got to watch that Ohio State game. I can't tell you how many guys told me how impressed they were, even though they lost, how they came back from, what, 35-7 and got it back and almost won the game at the end. So the one good thing is they got to see Indiana. They actually probably got to see more Indiana games with COVID than they would without COVID, just because obviously a guy every weekend is going to be visiting a different school normally. Yeah, and Indiana, since they didn't play Purdue, none of their games were on the Big Ten Network. Uh, you know, the Rutgers yeah. game was supposed to be, but it got moved up to Fox Sports mm -hmm. 1. So they were either playing on Fox Sports 1, Fox, ABC, or ESPN. Yeah. And that could do wonders as well. Uh, let's go through the signing class a little bit. Um, who are some guys who can make – now it's going to depend on who leaves and, uh, you know, attrition-wise going into next year. But who are some guys who could have an impact on the field in 2021? Well, I mean, I think you obviously start with the grad transfer, um, DJ Matthews. I mean, that's why you bring somebody like that in. Um, he's not a big guy, kind of wop size, but really quick, fast, <clears throat> elusive, just kind of – you kind of guy you want to get the ball in the open field and, and let him make plays. He was a fantastic punt returner at Florida State, one of the best in the country. So, obviously, he's kind of an obvious one. Um, I know a guy you really like, Jordan Williams, the receiver, who's from Albany, Georgia, but played his last year at, at Trinity uh, Christian in Texas where Deion Sanders was the offensive coordinator. Um, I, he's a mid-year guy. I think he was a guy that you could kind of pencil in to um, uh, be an early contributor. But the fact that he's coming in mid-year, I think, even makes it even more so, uh, a, a, or at least a better chance. So th those are two guys. Um, Cooper Jones, I mean, I know he's a freshman. D-line's on an easy position to play. But physically, I've seen him in person. I saw him in the semi-state at Zionsville. 
physically this guy is ready to go. Um, obviously, he's got a lot to learn. He's got, a, he's got you know, get all the technique down and all that. But I think physically he's a guy that could do it. Maurice Freeman, uh, he, I think he's going to be a Husky. Uh, watch his tape. I mean, he's a heat-seeking missile. This, this dude lights people up. Um, now, DB is probably maybe the most loaded position, arguably, on the roster, talent and depth-wise. But, you know, you're going to have – say assume Marcelino comes back. He'll be in the mix, Brian Fitzgerald. But they like to rotate guys, so I could see him being a guy. Larry Smith's another one. Corner's a loaded position. But he's got a little Taiwan Mullen to him with the way he can get the ball out. He, he, he pit, uh, gets interceptions, strips the ball. Just those kind of instincts, that knack that some guys just happen to have. Um, so he's a guy I like. And I think John Cass Smith, another receiver, just because you're going to lose probably lose a couple receivers, assuming Friday Fogel and Watt Fillier go pro. Um, obviously, uh, Rashawn Williams transferred. So there's there's a chance for some guys to get in the mix at receiver because while there's some talent there, there's are some there are some uh, uh, opportunities to uh, to play right away. Yeah, I had Jordan Williams as as my sleeper in the class. I also think he might be one of the better prospects in the class, uh, if not the best. And I think he's also an instant impact guy. But nobody was really talking about him. He put up on a show. Uh, on ESPN during or ESPN two whatever uh, during their their uh, high school football showcase he played that national schedule in Texas he played under Deion Sanders in the OC he I mean he's a he's a good kid too I've talked to him and I've talked to his dad and they're all in on IU uh, he kind of reminds me of Freifogel in that he can go up and get the ball and he has enough speed especially in a college program, if you get him in, in for, you know, an extra six months in the weight program, he can add to it. Um, is it. Is this class done? Uh, do you expect them to get more transfers coming in? Is it something where you have to wait for, you know, the end of the season for the transfer portal to go off? Or is this and see who, you know, what attrition you have and what your scholarship numbers are? I think it's possible. I don't think you're going to see, you know, four or five guys uh, in February or even in the spring, unless, <clears throat> excuse me, unless you have a bunch of attrition on the team, which obviously we won't know that for a little while. But I think you could see a few more guys. I think they'd like to get another DN if they could. You know, Cooper Jones is more of a strong side, bigger DN. I think they like to get a guy. They've been like DK Bonham. They've been playing at that. And they call the bull position. I think they like to get a guy like that, maybe a smidge bigger, but kind of an athletic, almost like a big linebacker who you can put at the end <clears throat> and he can rush the passer. So I think if there was a great, like a really good athlete receiver skill player that came available, they're kind of talking to Malachi Bennett. He's a, he's a four-star receiver out of uh, the, I think Birmingham, Alabama area. He committed to UAB has since backed off. They really, really liked him the first time around. I mean, he was a top guy right up there with the guys they got. Uh, and and Jaden Alexis, who's committed to Texas out of Florida, those guys are right up there at the top. And, I, you know, I think if they have a spot available, I could see him being an option too. Just to give you another, you know, you just, I mean, a 6'2 guy who can run, athletic, explosive. I mean, you know, those guys, the more you can get, the better. Yeah. And then going into lots of – Stuff about Coach Allen. People are on flight aware today. Um, Kane Womack takes the head job over in South Alabama. Um, how is the Indiana defensive coordinator search going? I, for me, I, I thought that Jason Jones was kind of the, the no-brainer uh, guy to fill in. He's been on staff. He's He's been a co-coordinator at Ole Miss. He's run that 4-2-5 defense. Um, but if they go outside of the program, how is that uh, search going? 
Well, I mean, from what Coach Allen said, it's, it's you know, I'm sure he's talking to people. I don't know if it's really in uh, in high gear right now just because you're you're trying to come back from the the, uh, the COVID outbreak you had. You're going to start practice. Oh, you find out who you're going to play, what, Sunday night. The bowl things will be out. So Monday you get to practice. And remember, this this bowl preparation is different than a normal year. It's normally, at this point, they're like two weeks in. Um, th- but this year we're, you know, it's, we're just, they're just getting ready to get started. So because of how the season was pushed back and all that, um, <clears throat> you know, I think some names, um, you know, I think uh, kind of a name that people may not be talking about, Corey, uh, Corey Batoon. Uh, he's at Liberty. He was at Old Miss with, with, when uh, Allen was there. He's been a D coordinator. Um, he knows the defense. I'm not saying he's a guy, but he's a guy that I've come across when doing some research. Uh, Raymond Woody, who's uh, an assistant. Now, I think he's at FAU. He was at Florida State. He was at Old Miss with Allen. Uh, he's coached linebackers. You know, that's a guy. I mean, to me, if you're looking for names, basically you go back and look who he's kind of come across or it's been at Old Miss when either Walmack, and I, when I mean Walmack, Dave Walmack or Allen were there and they kind of know this defense. Those are the kind of guys, because this is, he's going to try to find somebody that has some kind of experience in the defense, if possible. I mean, I'm not saying for sure that could, that'll be the way, but I would think he's going to try, especially if this guy comes in and maybe you do a co-coordinator thing with him and Jason Jones, because he seems like the natural guy on staff. He's been a co-coordinator before for six years at Old Miss. He kind of helped coordinate this defense. So, <clears throat> excuse me, he's got the experience. So those are those are the guys I look you know I look for. It's the pool is probably smaller because you're it's almost like you know when you recruit at a certain school you recruit from a smaller pool of guys because of what you're looking for and that's what he's he's looking for a guy who can come in and knows his defense if this guy is going to be you know a potential coordinator now the question is maybe he doesn't coach linebackers maybe Casey Teagarden goes to linebackers he's coached it in the past and maybe this guy comes in and does what you know Coach Teagarden was doing and coaches the Husky position or you know they move those positions around a little bit I, I don't think Brandon Shelby's moving at all he's done a great job of the corners I think he's staying there and obviously people with the D-line, but you can kind of mix and match safety and Husky, or you could have T-Guard, like I said, go to linebacker and somebody else come in, so it'll be interesting. I mean, it's going to be a coveted job. I mean, when you have a team that's done what they've done, you see Kane Womack going on to a, a good mid-major job. This is going to be a job that you're going to have a lot of interest uh, from other coaches, and, you know, I think he's going to have a, he's going to have a real opportunity to, uh, to find a good guy. Speaking of interest, Tom Allen wins Big Ten Coach of the Year. There are rumors that every single job that opens, it sounds like Tom Allen's on the hot seat, or not on the hot seat, but on the uh, on the short list for. Let's talk Tom Allen contract. It's his buyout's about twenty three million. It probably goes up on on Sunday to about twenty seven million, according to to Zach Osterman. Um, he, he put out a gr- a great Twitter thread today detailing his. Allen's contract, for those of you who don't know, Allen gets a year tacked on for every bowl that they qualify for. Um, that gets announced on Sunday. It was a seven-year deal. A lot of people are worried about Auburn. <clears throat> Auburn just paid uh, Gus Malzahn $21 million to walk away. I wish somebody would do that to me. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, is that a realistic destination? If you have to pay another $27 million to Indiana um, to get Tom Allen and then pay however much you're going to pay him per year, you're, you're spending $46, you know, $48 million of dead money to go get a coach who seems like he's locked in at Indiana. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I know there was the, uh, 
there was the flight aware or some flight. Here's the thing I can tell you. Uh, if a school flies from their place up to the campus or the city of another school, they're not flying up there to do an interview. I and mean, they're not going to come to Bloomington to interview Tom Allen. I mean, that's just not going to happen. If they're flying up there, he's hopping on a plane and coming back with them to get introduced as the next Auburn coach. And obviously that hasn't happened, and I don't think it's going to happen. I think Tom Allen's locked in Indiana. Auburn's probably got tons of money. they probably got a bunch of rich guys who can throw around millions of dollars um, to do this. But you, like you said, it's basically $48 million um, 40, well, it's like 27.7, I think, is what Zach put in the thing, plus 21 and a half. So you're talking actually, what, 49 million, almost 50. Plus, when you talk about you're probably going to pay, Auburn's probably going to pay the new coach around five. His staff's probably going to get another five. You're talking $60 million. Um, <clears throat> I, don't th I just don't see it happening. I, I, don't, I don't see – I don't. I mean, to me, and Tom Allen's done a great job. I think he's one of the. I think he's established himself as one of the best coaches in the Big Ten, and he's he's starting to get up there in the country. But if you're paying that kind of money, you're paying it for an absolute 100% sure thing. You're doing that for like Urban Meyer, or if you could get Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney. I'm talking. There's a very small pool of guys I think a school spends that kind of money for to bring him in. And I think Tom Allen might be that guy, but we're talking two year, two, two good years, a pretty good year last year, really good year this year. And he, and I think he's going to put together a lot of really good years, but man, that's, that's a pretty big gamble. Um, and then how does he fit in the SEC? I know he's been in the SEC, but not as the head coach. And, and that's ultra, ultra um, uh, aggressive, intense, <clears throat> excuse me, at Auburn. I mean, Let's be honest, as long as Nick Saban's at Alabama, Auburn's not beating Alabama. So any coach that goes there, you got to realize they're going to expect that, and it's going to be really, really hard to do. So um, I think he's a competitor. I think the Tom Allen competitor part would, would, would embrace that. I just don't think he's – I mean, I think he was on the docket show today. I didn't hear it, but I think he said stuff like, I love it here. I'm not going anywhere. we still got things to accomplish. I don't think Tom Allen – I think the contract by itself would, is enough, but I just don't think he's looking to, to walk out the door. I think Indiana will um, – I think Indiana, hopefully, when they – you know, if they're able to, they'll take care of him. I don't think Tom Allen cares about getting paid himself. I think it's more about his staff. I mean, I'm sure he wants to make as much as he can. Everybody does. But I think he's more concerned about, are you going to give me the resources, the facilities, the staff, all that kind of stuff to be able to compete with, not just Illinois, Purdue, Minnesota, but Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Um, and I know those are big statements, but that's what he's looking to do. That's what he wants to do. So, you know, I think he's got a great relationship in Indiana. I, I don't I, – to me, I didn't put any stock into it. I know it was tweeted out, but that's the problem with Twitter. You can put anything on Twitter and people think it's something's going on. I didn't put any stock in it. I don't think there's anything going on, and I think Tom Allen's going to be the coach in Indiana for a while. Yeah, I mean, look, if if Auburn's willing to pay $60 million for, for Tom Allen and he leaves, that's – I mean, it is what it is. It's hard to compete with that. But, you know, as you say, he he's he seems locked in. And it's something that Indiana fans shouldn't really have to worry about. Um, I would be more worried about Ohio State not playing this, this uh, Big Ten championship <laughs> yeah. game or something like that. Or, you know, who who might be out for them Saturday. And um, what I don't get uh, – look, I, I – Love Peyton Ramsey, and he was a great Hoosier. But it's not Nayu's best interest if Northwestern goes into the the Big Ten title game and beats them. Indiana would lose out on a New Year's Six Bowl because uh, yeah. Northwestern would get a spot, and then it goes to the next highest ranked. And it's hard to believe uh, that Ohio State would fall behind Indiana at five and one with a head-to-head -head victory uh, in the the CFP standings. Uh, 
where do you see what needs to happen for IU to get to the Fiesta Bowl? Do they just need Ohio State to, to beat Northwestern? Or do they need help around around the country where there's no, you know, major upsets like Florida beating Alabama or something like that? Well, you would hope that Ohio State winning would be enough. But, I mean, Iowa State, who is a two-loss team, and they're, they're, a, they're a quality team, but they lost the home by, to seven, by 17 to Louisiana. And they didn't – I don't think – they were supposed to play this week. I think their game might have got canceled or whatever. Uh, they're playing uh, Oklahoma in the championship game. Okay, so they, were, so they were off. So they didn't play, and they dreamt up a spot. Um, you know what I mean? Florida loses to uh, really not a very good LSU team. And then they, on top of that, they were depleted playing a fr- true freshman quarterback and a bunch of guys that were way down the depth chart. And they only dropped a spot. I, it, it's, I don't understand how they do the rankings. I, I'm, it's totally confusing to me. Um, and quite honestly, I'll be honest, until this year, I never really paid attention because Indiana was never in the playoff. I mean, you kind of paid attention from afar to see who was going to be in the final four, but I never really paid attention to the New Year six games because Indiana was never, uh, you know, in that, in that, in that position. So this year I have, and I'm completely perplexed. I don't, I don't understand what they're doing. Um, I don't know how some of these teams move up. I guess, I guess you would probably, I mean, if my question is, is if Oklahoma beats Iowa State and it's a close game, is that going to be enough to drop, drop Iowa State below Indiana, even though they got three losses? I don't know. I, I mean, so part of me is like I either want Oklahoma to blow them out or, or Iowa State to win the game, and then Oklahoma's out of the picture, hopefully out of the picture. Um, you know, I don't think Tulsa beats Cincinnati. They've had a nice season, but I think Cincinnati's clearly the better team. Um, you probably like Bama to absolutely just, you know, curb stomp Florida. Um, but even then, is that going to be enough to drop them? They'd have to drop, what, four or five spots, I believe, to get below Indiana. So, I mean, I think if some of these games go the way you hope, Indiana's got a shot. But, I mean, it just seems like they're trying to figure out a way to not let Indiana get into the playoff. And then you have North Carolina. If both Notre Dame – my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, both Notre Dame and Clemson, because they're ACC this year, are in the playoff – the Orange Bowl gets the next because they're a New Year's Six team. They get the next ACC team because of the contract. And it works the same way when the Rose Bowl's not in the playoff. The next Big Ten team get, goes to the Rose Bowl, even if they're not in the top 12 is my understanding. I could be wrong on that. So North Carolina could jump up, which means that pushes somebody who may have gone to the Orange Bowl down, which could push Indiana out. It's just so confusing. Um, I think they deserve to be in the New Year's Six. I mean, I know that's biased because of, you know, our, our uh, position covering the team and all that. But let's be honest. I mean, they played the number four team in the country to seven points. Um, they've done everything else. They won at Wisconsin. They've done everything else. They can only play the schedule that was put in front of them, and they've done it, and they've won every game except for one. And I think their resume is more impressive than some of the teams that are ahead of them. But obviously the, the committee feels differently. Yeah, and and this is where, you know, Indiana's non-conference slate wouldn't have turned heads. But that's where you go, okay, you know, let's say Indiana beats Purdue. You're looking at a 10-win team um, with that non-conference. Maybe even 11 wins uh, if Illinois is your other crossover game like it was supposed to be. Um, that I mean, you're looking at an 11-1 and one Indiana team you're definitely going to a New Year's Six Bowl. And if the cards fall the right way, that might be enough to get you, sneak you into the playoff. Uh, but there there was no non-conference. You're standing there at six and one. You haven't really played in two weeks. I think Michael Penix's injury for, for – I, I don't think the committee watches Indiana football, if we're being honest. 
Um, you know, they, they mentioned, well, Penix went down. Well, Jack Tuttle went on a road to a place where a lot of good Indiana quarterbacks have looked like junk. Uh, and and a lot of Big Ten quarterbacks have looked like junk. Um, so it, it's okay. You have your backup quarterback. Well, it, it's like they're they're discounting some wins while you know giving credit to other teams for the same thing that that IU has. And it's I personally think the playoffs ruining college football a little bit. Maybe they move to eight eight games uh, and things like that. But here's the thing: worst case scenario is Indiana goes to a Florida Bowl. Uh, and it's either in Tampa or Orlando. And those are areas that that would correct me if I'm wrong, would help recruiting down at Florida a lot. Um, you know, as nice as the Fiesta Bowl payout is getting and, and fans are allowed, I think, at the, these Florida Bowls, getting down to um, getting down to Florida and, and I, the Bowl is going to be a little bit different in terms of visibility, but getting down there should help their profile in Florida too, because Arizona doesn't have a ton of ton of prospects. No, it's not an area where I mean they they spot recruited, but you're right. I mean I think <clears throat> the New Year Six Bowl helps recruiting just because it's a New Year Six Bowl and it's you know that's one of the big ones. But you're right. The, I mean it's amazing. If somebody had said before the season we would be annoyed that we might fall. When I say we, you know, the Indiana would might fall to the Citrus Bowl, I would be like, oh, my gosh, that, you know, that's, we've got, they've had a great season. So the, the Citrus Bowl would be fantastic. You know, you'd probably – I'm guessing maybe get Auburn or Georgia. I'm not really sure who it would be, but I think it would probably be one of those two teams. Um, you know, uh, but that you're right. You're right there smack dab in the middle of um, – it's almost like – it's obviously not in-state, but it's almost like your second home state for this staff because they, they recruit there so much. So, yeah, that – to me, any of these bowls would be fantastic for recruiting and for the program and, and getting it pub and all that kind of stuff. It just would be, you know, you don't know how often as, as at Indiana with the football program, and hopefully it's from here on out, this is something that happens all the time, but you just don't know how often you're going to get this opportunity to be in a playoff, or not a playoff, but a, a New Year's Six game. So it would be nice to be able to go, one, go to one, especially when I feel like this team has, has really earned it. But there would be no disgrace in going to the Citrus Bowl. And like you said, I think fans are allowed at the Florida games because, you know, Florida's kind of crazy. Um, but uh, they're, allowed, they're allowed at the games. And, and so that would be nice for that. There's no fans at the, out in Arizona. Um, and either bowl would be great. I mean, I think either one would be, would be awesome for Indiana. It would be, uh, you know, as big of a bowl as they've been to probably since, you know, the, the Rose Bowl, I would guess. I mean, it's – these are big bowl games. I mean, the Gator Bowl was great last year, but these are either an, even a step up. So, um, you know, the fact that we're having this discussion to me is pretty cool that Indiana's we're talking about this instead of, you know, would it be the what's the bowl in Detroit or the one out in San Francisco, which, you know, wasn't the greatest experience ever. So this is, uh, this is pretty awesome in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, for a program that this will be their 13th bowl all time, it's, it's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to be picky because guess what you're maybe this is the start of a, a long bowl run for Indiana um, you know now you've been at it would be four four bowls in six years uh, and before that it was you hadn't been to a bowl game in like eight years one in since 93 um, and things like that so it's definitely an interesting dynamic on the, the do we complain about it? Do we come off as, hey, <laughs> you know, 
Yeah, look, I've been vocal about, you know, the Big Ten voting voting Ohio State in um, to the Big Ten championship game, which I totally understand and I totally get. It just didn't sit with me the right way. Um, and then, you know, does that, you know, if Indiana went and played, now nah, Indiana didn't wasn't able to play this weekend anyway, but let's say Indiana would play and win that game. They would be a lock for sure for New Year's Six Bowl. So it's kind of, you know, you pile on that, well, the Big Ten's out to to screw IU, and, and we've seen it with the officials uh, before in, in every way, shape, or form. Uh, but it, it was just more frustration from the fan base. Um, final thoughts on the season and what Indiana needs to do to finish this season strong and start 2021 on the right foot. Well, I mean, I think the kind of the first the thing that's, uh, you know, obvious is, um, you know, get everybody back healthy, you know, get the guys who I think coach Allen said there were 28 and that included staff and players. We didn't, I don't know what the breakdown is as far as players, but obviously you had a number of players, so get them healthy. And I don't think that, I think they'll be okay because the bowl game, you hit, there's enough time. Um, you know, and then and then there's probably some guys, you know, they played seven straight weeks. I will say this. I would guess that the first Purdue cancellation was probably a little bit – I don't want to say they wanted it, but it was probably a little bit of a kind of a blessing in disguise or a little bit of a relief just because, you know, it's been a stressful year for everybody. All the protocols and everything you have to go through, and then you play seven – and Indiana was what – I think it was, what, am I right, three or four? There's only three other Big Ten teams, I think, that played every had played every game up to that point. So yeah. you had no weeks off, and and obviously the Big Ten's a brutal a brutal league. So you know the second one I'm sure was more was really disappointing because you know I think Indiana was clearly the better team, and you felt good about their chances. But just get healthy, um, you know, get back in the groove of things, um, get focused. I think that to me is, we see it all the time in bowl games. The teams that come out focused, and obviously with this year and guys, you know, it's tough. They don't get to go see their families. They cannot see their families at Christmas. And they got to go do this. So the t- guys, the teams who can stay locked in and stay focused, a lot of times you'll see um, a team that maybe you don't think should win does win these bowl games. So, I, and I think Tom Allen and his staff have done a great job. These guys have come too far, in my opinion, to come out flat and kind of lay an egg. I, I just don't see it. I mean, there may be some rust when they we, the next time we see them play because it's been so long. But I don't think it's because they're flat or not not locked in. I think they'll be locked in, and I think they'll play well. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see him play. I'd love to see him play against USC in the Fiesta Bowl. That'd be great. But playing against Georgia or Auburn or one of those SEC teams in Florida would be would be a lot of fun too. Yeah, I think this is you know you want to win your bowl game and take that momentum into 2021 because right now you, the iron is hot. You got to strike and you got to strike with your fan base. Um, now's the time to start plugging your season tickets and, and all that stuff. And this, this is how you build your fan base. You have, you know, with, with students and with students, especially because you get a new batch every, every year. And so if you could get the freshmen locked in for four years and going to games, they're more likely either to donate to the program or get season tickets. And that overall is going to help the, uh, the, the, the program. You know, you see everybody complaining, well, they got to pay Tom Allen. They got to pay for this. They need money to pay for it. It's the, you know, it doesn't magically appear. Yeah, they get a, a nice Big Ten Network check. And, you know, the, the college football playoff check is going to be nice. But that only goes so far. It's, you know, you're competing against teams who get 100,000 people every game. So Indiana can only draw most, you know, you round it up to 53,000. 
that's where your money is going to be made. And then you, those people buy t-shirts, they buy concessions, they tailgate and they park. That's how you build a program. Um, they started winning on the field and there's no excuse anymore. They, they beat Michigan, Michigan state and Penn state. All the, and if there are people, I'm not being a fan until they beat Ohio state, just go away, dude. Like that's, if that's your, well, that, if that's what you're waiting for, just take a hike up the road uh, and go root for somebody else. But th- this team deserves the fan uh, fan support uh, next year. And, and you hope no matter who they play in the opener, I think they're, they're scheduled at Iowa, but who knows? It could change. Um, but for that home opener, no matter who they're playing, that place needs to be sold out. Um, you know, it's, everybody's dying to get back into to a game and things like that. And yeah, Bull, Bullwin would do, do huge, huge things. But I, again, you know, off the field stuff, got to make a good hire, a defense coordinator, at least somebody who could recruit the South um, and things like that. And, you know, if, I don't know, worst case scenario, Tom Allen calls the defense, which I don't think is the worst thing in the world because you have a veteran defense anyway. So it's not going to, put more on his plate uh if you want to get somebody you know hire somebody who's really good at recruiting but needs to to learn the four two five but it's all these awards and stuff all this publicity IU needs to capitalize on it and that starts at the win in the bowl game uh no matter where it is if it, if you're playing Florida Georgia Auburn LSU whatever you know um in the bowl game or you're playing USC out west and I thought I saw one projection, which had him in the Cotton Bowl against Oklahoma. Um, just win your bowl game, uh, and yeah. and then and then hopefully things reset, and you get a normal spring practice, and you go back to business as usual. And maybe who knows? Maybe you get a surprise and get some of these guys who might have test NFL waters. Maybe you get them back for for next year. You know, seniors, guys like Jerome Johnson. Um, Marcelino Ball, you know, guys who get that free extra year uh, back. And, you know, you, you could do real wonders with that and then build up recruiting too because, yeah, the, the numbers were low. I think according to 247's composite, Indiana was eighth in the in the conference. If you could bump that up a few spots, now, now you're, you're building a sustainable program. Yeah, exactly. And, and um, my guess is I haven't done the numbers, but my guess is if you took James Evans off, they might even be a spot or two higher in the Big Ten. And I would guess, um, because of how well the Big Ten's recruiting, if you're in the top seven or eight, you're probably in the top 30 to 40 in the country. And if you can do that consistently, you're going to get enough good players. I've said it before, um, when you're talking about a guy who may be just a low four-star to a three-star, I mean, we see it all the time. We bring up, look at Micah McFadden. Look at Jerome Johnson. I mean, these are two of the best players on in the, in the league, not just in Indiana, but in the Big Ten – and these guys were very lightly recruited. I mean, you know, that. so, but like you said, if you can, if you finish it off, you know, we talked about this, me and you have talked about a bunch. If guy, if these students aren't going to walk 10 minutes across campus to go to a game, they're not going to drive an hour, hour and a half when they get out of school. I mean, if they're not going when they're there, they're not going when they get out. So it's, it, you're right. It's absolutely important. Go in the office. It's, it's funny because, after the bowl game last year, Tennessee seemed to have all the momentum and Indiana kind of was obviously, you know, was down. 
and it's amazing how the seasons have gone kind of maybe off. Now, I didn't think Indiana would go two and whatever Tennessee is, but they, I thought Tennessee would be a, one of the top 10 teams in the country, or at least maybe in that discussion. And they've gone the other way. And Indiana took that game and, and built off of it and let it use it as motivation. So, you know, but you'd like to go into the off season with the win and have that momentum, especially when you can start recruiting again, when 22 kids can hopefully start going on campus after April 15th and you can get them, you can get them there for visits and maybe you show them a Fiesta Bowl trophy or a Citrus Bowl trophy or whatever it is. And you, you're coming off this season. I, you know, I'm really interested to see how the 22 class pans out. How many, first of all, how many they can take and then, you know, who they get. Um, because I think they have really kind of, uh, you know, uh, they've rattled some cages this year across college football. And I think they've, they've got some guys taking notice of them that maybe they didn't take notice before. And even some in-state kids who liked them, you know, uh, Joe Strickland. I just talked to Joe last night. I'm not saying they're going to get Joe Strickland, but I like their chances. He's a four-star DN from above, and he really, really likes Indiana, and they're in great shape. Now, he may end up going somewhere else, but they are right there in the race with some really good programs, and those are the kind of kind of guys you, you got to start getting, um, you know, to kind of take that next step. Not only to take the next step, I think they've kind of done that, but to maintain it. It's one thing to take the step for one year, and then you kind of slip back. you got to keep doing that and maintain it, and – you know, I think the staff's going to do that. I think Tom Allen's going to do it. And, I, and uh, you know, I think IU fans should be excited about the future. And like you said, they need to show up and support this team next year. Hopefully we can have full football. We're back to somewhat normal life. And if it is, people need to come out, tailgate, but then go into the stadium and support this team. Yeah, and it's always great to just have another trophy to parade around to, to your alumni, to students, yep. all that thing. And it gets you off the list of – you know, we've all seen the, the graphics this year. Indiana, well, the last time Indiana beat Michigan, you know, the, the moon had just been created or, you know, dinosaurs roam the earth, whatever ridiculousness that they put on it. It gets you off another one of those lists where, you know, Indiana hadn't won a bowl game since the Reds were good at baseball. Uh, I was just going to say, it's one of those lists that my Reds are on. They haven't won a World Series in like, what, is it 30 years? Yeah, it's over 30 years now. So, yeah, um, too many of my teams are on these lists. You know, the Indiana yeah. basketball, they haven't won a national title in 87, what is that, 30-something years. Football team hasn't won a bowl game. The Reds, so, yeah, too many of the teams that I root for are on these lists, and I want them to get off. <laughs> it's no fun. Yeah, and it's just another list to get off of. And and then, you know, because Northwestern was on that list. They hadn't won a bowl game since 1949. Wow. They finally won, and now nobody talks about it. Uh, and you see Northwestern is doing amazing things up there. And, um, you know, maybe Indiana's on that path where it could become like a Northwestern or an Iowa or Wisconsin. I mean, people, you remember, uh, a lot of people, Wisconsin was not good. No. Wisconsin was not good at football. Um, and now they're, you know, they're winning the Big Ten West every year and are maybe a player or two away from, knocking off Ohio State for Big Ten titles. Um, so, anyway, Matt, thanks for joining us. Um, and we'll be back. Hopefully we find out Sunday that Indiana's going to the Fiesta Bowl, but we will find their final bowl destination there. And uh, good luck with recruiting. Thanks for everything you do with us. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, man. All right. That does it for tonight's show. Thank you uh, for joining us. 
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.